0: Hello lovely listeners and welcome back to Accidental Careers for 2024. I'm excited for you to listen to who we have in store for you this year and we're going to start the year off with a banger. Let's listen to our interview with the beautiful Rebecca Hartley. Welcome to the podcast Rebecca Hartley, thank you for joining us today, how are you?
1: I'm good thank you, thank you for having
0: me on. Oh, listen, it's my pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. I can't wait to talk about what you do now, but I want to first start with taking you back to um, when Rebecca was a a little girl. A bird tells me you told your mum you wanted to be a businesswoman with a briefcase. Is that right?
1: (laughs) That is true. That is true. Um, Yeah, I wanted to be a businesswoman with a briefcase and work in an office. I think I've achieved two of those things, but never had a briefcase.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. It's funny, isn't it? Our younger selves, because I wanted a work in a bank. And I think those kind of, I guess, um, looking at those people in, in suits or offices felt like a success maybe at the time. Is that what your vision was, do you think?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I I used to go to, my dad was a lecturer um, and ran courses. Um, and I used to go to work with him sometimes and sit in his office, which seemed massive at the time. And I quite liked the idea of that, having my own office and sitting on a swivelly chair and having a a paperweight on my desk and shuffling papers is probably what I thought it was all about at the time. The examples I think that we had back then were fairly limited. Um, So yeah, I think a business person was probably all I knew.
0: Absolutely. I think part of the reason this podcast was born was was that exact reason. My teenage daughters trying to pick their options and, and kind of have in mind what they wanted to be. And I, for one, did not know that my day job Existed when I was a young girl, and the choices are even wider now. You know what with social media and all of the things that are happening. Uh, but you're right, very limited choice. When when you kind of got to school leaving age and you went to college, what did you choose to do then?
1: I did do business, so that office <laughs> is still in my mind. I did English language A level um, and a GMVQ, an advanced business, um, which are, are probably both quite well suited courses to me. I think I knew more what subjects suited me than I did necessarily what jobs would suit me
0: yeah absolutely and how long were you at college for a couple of years did you go on to university or couple of, well i actually
1: i actually went to sixth form college
0: okay thought
1: that was exactly i couldn't wait to go and then got there and realized that it was just like being at school without your uniform on so <laughs> six months and also i picked terrible subjects that didn't suit me so six months into that i kind of i swapped and then i had to wait another six months before starting a sixth form college so by the time it came to going to university I just I'd had enough of studying so I really didn't want to go to university the only reason I would have wanted to go is for the social life <laughs> so I got a job straight from college
0: okay and what was that what was that job doing what was the first industry that you got yourself into
1: it was very much an accidental career so um The business that I went to work for initially had approached the college and said we're looking for somebody to come in and do a support role within a software house. And do you know of anybody? So they put me forward for the job. So it certainly wasn't something that I was looking to do. In a way, it was quite well suited to me because it was client-facing. And and pretty much all of my roles from that point onwards were client-facing, client-relationship-type roles. Um, So, yeah, I kind of happened upon a part of that role that really suited me quite well.
0: And did you find a love then for kind of clients and kind of making sure that you were matching the needs, et cetera, looking after them?
1: Yeah, I spent, um, I've spoken about this a few times, but growing up, um, we moved around quite a lot. I was born in Birmingham and then when I was, I think, about six, moved up to Stockport. My dad's from Bramwell, my mum's from Sutton Coldfield, so I moved back up north um, because my granny was ill and that was a bit of a culture shock being a mixed race girl and moving to what was then a very 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 predominantly white town I mean I remember being stood behind uh, my mum's legs because there was a national front rally in the shopping shopping centre so it was um, it was a bit of a culture shock but also just having to move around and then from there on in my mum and dad seemed to like to move house every time my dad got a different job so I never really was able to put any foundations down and That was a negative thing but the positive out of that I think is that you learn how to get along with people, how to be a bit of a chameleon, how to make yourself liked, (laughs) how to build good relationships quickly. So I think those Mm. things all serve you well in terms of as you know Lindsay being in a Mm. client-facing role.
0: Absolutely you've got to learn to adapt quickly I think as well and I guess uh, talk to people from every single level. I found that a bit of a um a skill in itself that you have to kind of teach yourself there's no school or certificate that teaches you that you've either got it or you haven't so you did a client facing role for what a couple of years did you when did you kind of first start to ignite a passion for what you're doing now
1: oh so i think i always had a passion for events when I was seven years old, I organized what I call my first event, which was a surprise party for my parents. So I invited all the relatives in secret. And I went to the corner shop with my pocket money and bought um, really rubbish cakes and crisps and fizzy pop and and threw a party. So I think I always liked doing it. And I've always been an organizer in that way. Um, My first Ever event was actually nothing really to do with work. I had organized a few things through work just because I put my hand up and I was like, I'll organize that. But then when I worked for, I worked for Virgin Media and they're quite big on um, doing things that you're passionate about and developing your skill set, whether it relates to your job or not. And also Mm -hmm. doing things that are for charity um, or volunteering for causes. So I decided that I wanted to do a charity event. So I'd never done one before. I'd never organised anything of scale other than my own wedding in France. Um, And yeah, so started and organised a four hundred person charity ball for the Christie at Mia, and which was a baptism of fire. Um, Yeah, didn't take it lightly. Then you really went for it on the first one. Wow, that's just typical. Typical me, overly ambitious. (laughs) Um, So. So, yeah, that was my first event, and then I really I, I really enjoyed it. Um, when I set up my business, Events wasn't my full business. It was part of it because I'd done okay. a few events by then. Um, my business was employee engagement, and Events was one of the solutions that we offered to, to companies. But Events was the thing that really took off, and then I kind of evaluated it and went, actually, that's the thing you're really passionate about. It's the thing that you're good at, and it's the thing that you love doing. So we re- rebranded after maybe nine months to Saving Grace Events.
0: So what were you before then? I didn't know that.
1: It was sa- we were just called Saving Grace. Okay. Um, and it was yeah, as I say, lots of lots of different um, employee engagement tools.
0: Where did the name Saving Grace come from? You know, everybody
1: always asks me that, and I always think, isn't it obvious? But it really isn't. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. It, we are the client's saving grace. We're there to look after everything for ah. them and be their saving
0: grace. Take the stress away. Uh, it makes sense now that you've explained it. I see I see why you would think yeah. it was obvious now. It's my, uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think maybe
1: we need to go back to our branding and do a better job on that.
0: <laughs> Listen, it's a wonderful name and it really kind of fits well, I think, with the event. So um, I don't think you should change it. So what, was there a pivotal moment? Did something happen? What made you go, do you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this alone? You did the charity event, 400 people, Baptism of Fire. What happened yeah. between then and the setup of Saving Grace?
1: Yeah, so I did a couple of charity events for cancer charities, and I also joined um, the Committee for Breast Cancer Now, so we did some charity events um, with them as well, with with some other women, and never had any experience of cancer um, in my family. It was just a cause that I wanted to support. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I... Um, When I was 37, I was still working corporately. I was working as a director for an outsourcing business and I found out I had breast cancer. So Mm -hmm. that kind of um, turned my world upside down, but also made me evaluate things. So Mm. I had a fair bit of uh, time in treatment from chemotherapy to um, lumpectomy, eventually resulting in a double mastectomy. So that treatment plan was fairly, fairly aggressive because I was young. Um, and fairly yeah. lengthy and then when I came back to my director job working for a, uh, a company whose I guess focus wasn't something I was hugely passionate about um, I just kind of evaluated things and thought this is not what I want to be doing what do mm. I want to be doing and I always knew I wanted my own business even going into that role I said that was the last time I ever wanted to work for somebody but didn't necessarily know exactly what I wanted that business to be
0: Wow. So, listen, I'm sorry to hear about your kind of brush um, with breast cancer. And it is, a, it, it, I've had it affected uh, my family, and I know how, um, you know, deeply difficult it is. So, coming through that is um testament to you as a strong, strong woman. And isn't it funny how you chose those charities before you had any experience? That's really ironic how f- things work, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so strange. And then I always say, I, th- I feel like it's um, opened the floodgates, really and i've been going through that process is obviously not a, p- a positive thing but i never really felt sorry for myself i just i actually thought it was the universe knocking me back on track because i was running a million miles an hour i was stressed out i'd been through a really traumatic divorce i was really emotional and um i think it was definitely the universe say i was doing a job that i wasn't passionate about the company really and its values and mm. wasn't really in the right place i feel like it knocked me back on track but then also from that point onwards um, I felt like it opened the floodgates because I had no experience of cancer at that point, and then from that point onwards, I've had a lot of experience, as you say, with cancer yeah. within my family. So those causes have become extremely important to me now.
0: Fantastic. Well, listen, like I say, um, hats off for coming through that. It's a, a awful, awful thing, isn't it? To have to, to have to deal with. <laughs> So you set up Saving Grace. Uh, was it just you? Did you have somebody on board with you after you'd evaluated and moved on?
1: No, it was just me. It was just me. Although I always used to talk big business language, even before, <laughs> even when we were, even when Perception. it was just me. Yeah, yeah. It's, I used it's, to constantly it's... talk about we, and my friends would go, "Who's the we?" And I'd feel like, "Well, it's just me, really." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but it sounds better when we say we, It's a royal way. We. we all use it, don't we? It's um, it it's it's given that perception, <laughs> but it obviously it obviously worked. Who were your first few clients? You know, because I'm sure it was quite really scary. You'd gone through uh, your breast cancer um, situation. You decided to go it alone. It's just you. What did you What did you do about reaching out for customers? Who were the first people you worked with?
1: Yeah, well, this is funny where life takes you. So this is where my corporate background really came in handy mm. so yeah. um my first my first client was virgin media so it wasn't a bad start yeah and that's because I used to work for them um and we, yeah, we still do things for them now and yeah I just use them I just use my network so there was same as now really we had known brands like virgin media one of my friends worked for cafe nero so we managed to get a job in with them so that was a great brand as well and but then there were lesser known brands, just companies that I'd worked with. So really my my 100% marketing strategy to start off with was just really to work my own network because I knew that I had loads of kind of good contacts and connections in there.
0: It's, it's great. I think people underestimate, don't they, the power of, of network. It's really powerful tool. Uh, definitely in, in my day job, it works as well. Uh, how many years have you been going now, Rebecca? Six and a half. Six and a half, precisely. I love that. Yes. And how many? How many? are Because the team, the team has grown, and you've just mentioned you're in your office, so you've got that office. Have you got a swivel chair?
1: I have got a swivel chair, a very creaky one, so I won't demonstrate. Fabulous. But yes, um, <laughs> I've got a swivel chair. We've got lovely offices in Nutsford We're a core yes. team of five, um, and then we've got a big team of um, people, freelancers who work with us all the time um, to deliver the events. Who've been a lot of them have been with us since the very start. So. For example, we've got a big event overseas for Five Guys next month and there'll be 13 of us that travel over there who've worked with us on the event for the last couple of years.
0: Well, I was just going to mention Five Guys because I think I've seen pictures of last year or the year before when you went out. Is it Ibiza this time? It is Ibiza. Is that why you keep specking out Ibiza? It
1: is, yeah. it's That job is a gift. They are. <laughs> I, mean, I, I always say that we want to work with fun, innovative, people-driven businesses, so, yeah. our thing really is around businesses that want to engage their people. Um, mm. my, I've got a, a, as part of my corporate um kind of past, I've got a um, a stint in employee engagement, um, customer engagement, employee engagement intrinsically linked. And so, I feel really comfortable in that space. I understand what businesses want. I understand why they're doing it. That it's not just parties that they need. You know, there's an outcome and there are measurables from it. Um, yeah. So we sit really well and comfortably in that space. But Five Guys, are that per- they are the perfect client. They're fun, innovative, definitely people-driven. And they just want their people to have a really great time. So, um, yeah, this year's Ibiza. Last year was Croatia. The year before was Budapest. We're already specking out um, some locations that I can't talk about for next year. But we also do yeah. some UK stuff for them as well. But they're, they're an amazing, amazing client, amazing employer, you know, working for them.
0: Um, you get treated well that it sounds fabulous sounds like the client from uh sent from heaven doesn't it it's yeah. <laughs> um what what a great what a great experience so in when you take the five guys team to ibiza how many of them will there be will you be is it hundreds or
1: tens yeah so we're we're growing they're growing every year so the the overseas one is their general managers from four five different countries so we bring them okay. over from different countries to one location and we do everything from accommodation, transport, awards ceremony, conference, um, excursions, and then a big wrap party at the end. Um, so there's a lot, a lot of content within those few days. Um, and yeah. this year there'll be this year there'll be five hundred odd. Next year oh. will be nearly six hundred.
0: Wow! How so do you keep a... all of those people together? Do you have a big register? Yeah, <laughs> we have lots of registers for lots of different parts of the <laughs> the event. Yeah. <laughs> Do you take two weeks off after that for a rest?
1: No, we do not. <laughs> I think, do, do you know, we've got, our busiest, like you should. we've got our busiest year this year um, into next year. So, yeah, there's literally no rest because we don't do private events. The summer is actually when we have a bit of time. Okay. Um, but we're, um, we're really busy this summer with, with, um, with inquiries, which is a good thing.
0: Have you ever considered uh, private events? Yeah, I mean
1: we do. We've got a, we've got a really big private event that we're planning at the moment with um, UB40 headlining. So it's an outdoor festival in the grounds of the client's home. So we where- do do private events where clients approach us, and they tend mm-hmm. to be the bigger, bigger ones. Um, but we don't specifically solicit them because, like I said, I think where we we do a really good job and where we can excel is in the corporate event space. But um, private events are fun as well because you can get really creative and they're really personal to the people that you're doing them for
0: although it makes me nervous the thought of doing weddings so much could go wrong yeah, we it makes really me do feel weddings. no it makes me feel nervous just at the sheer thought I, I, I'm sure it's beautiful and I'm sure it's a really good experience of if, if you carry it off well but well yeah the thought of it going wrong
1: yeah well it's the most the weddings are the most important day of somebody's life essentially so I think mm. there's some really good event planners that only do weddings they're specialist in that area we don't tend to do very many
0: so what's what's coming up for the rest of this year? What can uh, what can we expect to see from Saving Grace? Five guys trip to Ibiza,
1: <laughs> as previously I'm, discussed. A big. I'm a looking big, out uh, for those
0: pictures already. I'll be waiting.
1: Yeah, don't worry, we'll be sharing them. Just lo- yeah. lots of corporate events, really. We've got um, we've seen a real transition this year in terms of clients with recurring work. So we've got um, another client, an amazing client, very similar to Five Guys called Clifton Trade Batman, so We're doing four events for them. Over the next couple of years, so yeah, just lots of lots of corporate events. I personally am working on some other projects. So, like you, I'm launching a podcast. Um, I'm in the process of planning a book, uh, trying to do more
0: speaking um, speaking gigs. Yeah, I seen. I think on LinkedIn, actually, you're doing some speaking events. Was it with young young people?
1: Yeah, that was an amazing yeah. one. So it's um, mm. it was something called Reach Next Generation, and it was in, it was they had about twenty speakers on from all different walks of life. Um, including Andy Burnham and um, people from fashion people from political people people from business and it mm. was girls between 11 and 15 so they just it was a, it mm. was essentially a summit but it was really it was a really amazing thing to do fantastic so what's the podcast all about tell us about the podcast so the podcast is going to be called braver stronger smarter brilliant and I did something similar within lockdown but it's um, in, inspiring stories essentially inspiring life stories from all walks of life, so we've got our first seven guests confirmed um, and record the first podcast on the 24th of this month, which actually is somebody else interviewing me so it's I don't know whether you did that with this one Lindsay but interviewing me and and introducing me as a host to the audience
0: that's a really good idea and I might actually steal it thank you because I am also (laughs) in like I say accidental career uh, did not know what I wanted to be and didn't know this my day job existed so I might steal that thank you there's no shortage I know we've been at events together like inspiring women in Cheshire etc so there's no shortage of guests for that I'm pretty sure that you'll be um yeah, you won't be struggling for guests for that. There's a lot of pe- inspirational people out there, and I know, and I know um, you don't like to sit still, and you keep growing all the time. So this podcast is one thing, and I shall listen out for that without a doubt. And the book is that is that a book about you? Is that yeah? So the book
1: is a is a work in progress title, and we've only just started planning it, but I think it's probably going to be called um, something around "This Too Shall Pass." So it's going to be kind of autobiographical.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Talking
1: about some of the different experiences in my life from the growing up years to, you know, marriage, divorce, being a single parent, mm-hmm. having successful businesses, having not so, so successful businesses so ups and downs of business, the breast cancer journey, losing my parents and my sister. Um, so talking about those, you know, touching on grief, but then also it's going to have some really um, practical um, advice for people in terms of how what you can do in those situations to survive yes. i guess <laughs> mentally emotionally
0: etc so like i said it's a work it's a work in progress but yeah you've got a lot to talk about so I'm, I'm pretty sure it'll be a great reason i shall look out for it before i let you go rebecca tell me about either the funniest or the most fabulous events that you've ever been to or organized
1: i've got i've got to say five guys i mean they the mm-hmm. level of freedom we've got with those events to be creative and um, mm. they are they are spectacular events our only challenge there is making it better and better each year and different and different each year but those yeah. events would take a lot to top I think although this private event that we're organizing is is definitely going to be something else um with the headline that we've got and with all the different things that we've got we've basically taken a lot of the um a lot of the, the the knowledge and learnings that we had from Tatton Park Pop-Up Festival and applied that to a private festival. So it's kind of, it's probably going to be the highest-end private festival <laughs> that anyone's ever yeah, had, so ever that's seen. exciting as well, but that's still to come.
0: Yeah, That sounds fantastic, and Tatton was fabulous as well, so yeah, another, another kind of success and your with that, I would guess. Um, is there is there kind of one thing that you can tell us before you go that really went wrong and how you handled it?
1: Oh, well, I tell you what, we had, <laughs> when we first started, when I first started, um, we had a client who I won't name, who asked us to do a, I think it was a 10th birthday celebration or something, maybe, I can't remember, almost 20 years, I think, and mm-hmm. they wanted to decorate all of their centres, so they had three different centres across Manchester, one in Glasgow, they had branches up and down the country that they wanted a consistent experience happening um, across the across the centres um, and all sorts of other stuff going on. So like merchandise for a director's trolley dash and goodie bags on the desks. And I remember quoting it and I think I quoted it at like £14,000, which is absolutely ridiculous Yeah, um, for the level of work that was required. But at the time I was thinking, oh my God, they've said yes.
0: <laughs> this is <amazing. laughs> no, how
1: ridiculous yeah. it was. It was born out of pure um, lack of confidence as a new business owner um and also naivety around the amount of work done so that job and also the client said "Yep, yeah, there'll be somebody there to show you around the different centers when you're setting up but when we got there there wasn't and um, the, the me now would have been phoning the client and saying this is not acceptable how are we supposed to know where to go um, yeah. but at the time we just got on with it and we ended up having to work through the night to get everything done so I think we got we ended up getting they wanted it all done whilst the employees weren't there so we went we worked through the night um to get it done and I think at seven thirty we got into bed and about seven twenty at <laughs> uh, seven forty-five, um she phoned and said, um, oh, one of the small offices doesn't have any balloons in, can you come back? Oh no. And I was Like No, what? no, no, we can't. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So yeah, not. that was a
1: big yeah. But there was no way I was gonna let the client down. That is the one thing um that I think you you've gotta have. Um, no matter what it took we were going to stay there until it was done but yeah a lot of learnings from that we we often laugh about that
0: it, it's good though because I think never undersell yourself that's a good message to pop out don't undersell yourself and have the confidence in your own ability I think that's a really nice message to end on
1: yeah definitely
0: fabulous listen it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for so much for taking the time out to um to speak to me and I hope to see you at some awards uh or, or other events soon yeah it'd be nice to catch up Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Rebecca. What a lovely lady. What a lovely story. Thank you, Rebecca Hartley. If you want to check out what she does, get over to Saving Grace Events and listen out for that podcast. See you next time.